Welcome everybody to the Nerd Pool Podcast, the podcast where we talk pop culture, pro wrestling, and everything else that's on my mind. So sit back, grab your snack, and listen in as I rant and rave about everything we know and love. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of the Nerd Pool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. It's a J-M-I-E, your 144th favorite podcast. So as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. And today we're going to be talking pro wrestling. Not really anything that's going on, uh, maybe a bit, but mainly we're going to be talking about the differences that has been going on lately in Raw. If you have, If you are a pro wrestling fan, if you listen to this, you know that Raw has been slowly on the decline for ratings. Raw at one time, Monday Night Raw, is the epicenter for the WWE. It is the reason the WWE is as big as it is. It's the reason wrestling got as big as it is. It has been around since September of 1993. It has been a staple on Mondays. It has changed, you know... Uh, where it's played a little bit, it was on USA, it went to Spike TV, and then it went back to USA, but it has always been a Monday night tradition, just like football has been for the past umpteen years. Professional wrestling coming on at 7 a or seven p.m. and going till 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. here where I live, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. or 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. on the East Coast and West Coast, I just, uh, you know, you know the time it comes on. But I've been watching a lot of old school Attitude Era uh, wrestling from the late 1996 on to the uh, early 2000s when wrestling was at its peak. WCW and WWE were battling it out to see who was going to be the biggest company in the world. They were, you know, battling for ratings and dominance and supremacy in the pro wrestling world. And Vince McMahon ended up, after losing for 83 straight weeks to WCW, because WCW had become a more realistic type wrestling, they were using people's real names, and it seemed like it was more grounded in reality, and not a bunch of goofy characters like clowns, and hockey players, and trash men, and stuff like that. Vince decided to go all in on the Attitude Era, as it became to affectionately be known, with the uh, ascension of Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker... Kane came in in 97, uh, you know, you had the New Age Outlaws, you still had the the teams like the Headbangers and LOD were still around fighting for their, their piece of the pie. It became, at one point, pro wrestling was the thing to talk about. I mean, uh, when I go to sc- when I went to school on Tuesday morning, if you had missed Raw or Nitro, then you had, you know, you, you were behind. Everybody's talking about what happened, what did this. Everybody watched professional wrestling. It was the thing to do. It was... Monday night was go-to television, must-see television, pulling in millions of viewers. I mean, times 8, 9 million viewers, 10 million viewers, you know, and it was just a huge deal for me. And, you know, when I loved wrestling, it made it even more better because everybody around me was enjoying wrestling. And nowadays, um, Raw has dropped to a couple weeks ago had its lowest rating ever at 1.4 million people. Now, 1.4 million people in this day and age, let me let me prefix this by saying that the ratings are completely different than what they used to be. Um, the Nielsen ratings, when you had a Nielsen box in your home, it used to account for, I believe, three or four people, you know, for every household. So one person would equal, you know, the X amount of people. So one box would equal that. It has become down to where I think it might be, it might be one or two, if that. And the ratings are different now. I mean, you can't really 
I, I've argued this about professional wrestling ratings that ratings nowadays are a completely different and hard thing to judge because there's so many other ways of watching your shows. You know, mo- a lot of people have who have traditionally watched Raw on Monday, have cut the cable and cut the cord, so they're not getting traditional cable numbers. They're watching it on streaming. They're finding, you know, illegal streams. Some people are actually just watching it off clips going on on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. That's what a friend of mine does. He watches wrestling, but he doesn't watch it live because he doesn't have cable or a way to watch it. So what he does is during Raw or SmackDown or whatever, he goes on Twitter and he goes and he just follows what's going on and sees clips and videos and reactions. And that's how he watches it. That's how he knows what's going on. So there's multiple ways to keep up with what's going on. So when I say that the ratings hit an all-time low of 1.4 million, that is an all-time low. And that might not be the that, that might not look good to a lot of people. But it also is a little harder to judge on how wrestling and TV in a whole is being presented to us. So the ratings are a little bit skewed on that point. However, dropping from, you know, eight, nine million people down to 1.4 in what was it been 30 year or 20 something years, quick math in my head real quick, uh, 27 years. So 27 years, it has dropped that many millions of viewers. And that's a, that's a huge steep decline in what's going on, but it's not just because People are cutting the cable. It's not, you know, uh, there's been a lot of WWE fans, and even WWE has come out and said, well, we're going up against Monday Night Football, and we're going up against this sport and World Series, and they've gone up against those every year they've been on TV, and they've still pulled higher numbers. So the main thing you have to look at between the differences between then and now, when I was watching, when I'm watching stuff from 96, 97, 98, 99, the show had a completely different feel. And what I mean by that is the production value wasn't as high. Uh, When you watch Raw now, everything is just, it looks so clean and generic. They have the barricade around the, uh, you know, the ringside that's got the padded walls, the black, you know, pad on the ground. Uh, You have all these LEDs everywhere. You have this giant screen. If before the COVID hit, you know, Raw had this big entryway with all these LED lights, this massive, massive entryway. And there's just, there's so many lights and lasers and smoke that it's so overproduced. And it just, and I know they're trying to make it seem bigger, you know, bigger and better. But sometimes simpler is better. And sometimes you have to go back to that simplistic nature. Uh, They had, back in that day, they had a big giant screen, which was called the Titan Tron. It had, you know, like uh, caging around it, like, well, not caging. It was sort of like a scaffolding type thing around it a black curtain come out 10 foot entry ramp go down to the ring you still had the barricades it was still like a guardrail like you see at a local wrestling event or uh if you go to a concert or anything the guardrail that looks like a bike rack they had that the everything just it was dumbed down it was simplistic and it just added to the ambiance the the the, the whole the whole presentation wasn't look how big of a spectacle we're giving you. The whole presentation was involving around the in-ring talent and the in-ring stories that were going on and us being able to connect with the characters that were happening. You had characters like Stone Cold Steve Austin who was taking on Mr. McMahon who had simply at that time become the the biggest heel in wrestling. And, you know, it was the, the everyday working man. He cussed, he drank beer, he drove a pickup truck. You know, he wore jean shorts, he wore boots, he wore t-shirts. He wasn't, you know, a, 
he was a blue collar guy taking on the the millionaire billionaire boss the guy who runs a company who wants him to conform you know who of all of us didn't ever want to you know every now and then take a swipe at a boss i mean it, it's just happened you know he was just lucky enough to give his the you know the stone cold stunner and drop you had people like the rock who had so much charisma going on and he could just talk and every time he talked talked about himself in the third person he talked about how cocky he was he, he was you know a good-looking guy and he would talk you into the seats because he never said it all the time but he had that aura of i'm better than you and you know it and yeah shout out to mjf on that i stole your catch line get over it you had people like the undertaker the undertaker was one of the last of the dying breeds from the previous bygone era of WWE when they had characters like like Duke the Dumpster Drosy and and you know the goon and they, these hockey players and and these garbage men you know Bastion Booger Doink the Clown he was a bygone era of you know a guy playing that role but he evolved his character to go along with it he became more dark he became more sinister he became almost you can say kind of like a devil worshiper in this time and it be, later on became like a cult leader like this is he, he evolved his character to the point to where during this time even though he might have had you know brought the lights down by his hand or shot lightning it wasn't campy it wasn't goofy you know you you kind of believed it because it seemed like he had that that aura and that appeal of he might be into some dark magic you know you had legit shooters like ken shamrock and dan severn and the this all revolved around great storytelling and great performances by great athletes and even the people that weren't the best athletes i'm looking at you uh road dog jesse james was never one of the best workers but he could talk and he had charisma and he had an ability to make you love him or hate him it was such a great time to be a professional wrestling fan then when you flip side it over to what it is now everything is so overproduced everything looks so clean and i and i don't mean clean i mean clean in a bad way in a good way like like it's everything looks the same all the crowds look the same all the shots look the same every everybody that comes out they talk the same they walk the same very few people have their own identity their own characters they try to give them their own characters but very few of them actually have their own characters because they're not allowed to be back in the day you might have had, you had a writing team, you did, but it was Vince McMahon, it was Vince Russo, it was, you know, Jim Ross, it was Bruce Pritchard, it was Jim Cornette, it was these people who had been in the business, they had been wrestling fans, maybe not Russo, I'm still not sure if Russo was ever actually a wrestling fan, even though I will give the man credit for what he did during the Attitude Era. You know, a lot of people give him shit for WCW, and he has had a lot of garbage ideas, but he also had a lot of good ideas, and I will make one argument for him. He is one of the only people in wrestling that has ever seen young talent and said, I'm going to give you a try. He always had something to do for everybody. It might not have been the best, but he had something to do for you, and if you took it and started getting over, he made sure he wrote for you. Okay, so you, you might not like Vince Russo. I'm not a huge fan of Vince Russo and the way he takes credit for everything that has gone on in professional wrestling back then. However, he did fight and go to bat for a lot of the younger talent coming up at that time when the Hogans and Flares and them were still running dominant past their what could be considered their prime. That's no disrespect to Ric Flair. Ric Flair is the greatest that ever did it. If he wrestled right now, I'm going to watch him, but I digress. So, But you had a small group of writers writing for the show. Now there's so much 
production and there's so many hours of content they had to put out from the network and NXT and SmackDown and all of this and pay-per-views and they have a roster now of three, 400 people, you know, used to, you might've had 50 at the most. Now you have 400 people and you have a teams of writers. And the biggest difference between that writing team and these writing teams is the majority of these writing teams now are not wrestling fans. They were soap opera writers. They're TV, TV writers and they're not, they're not good on the product. They don't know a lot of the people coming in. They don't know a lot of their characters. A lot of them didn't care to learn. They still don't know professional wrestling. They're just there to write a television show. Back in the day, um, from everything that was said from multiple people around then, I don't know, I wasn't there, but people said that Vince McMahon would basically, WrestleMania is the pinnacle and always has been. So Vince would say, we were going to do this at WrestleMania, and he would book backwards. So you take what you're going to do with the thing, and you book backwards, and that's how you do it. You're booking months in, months in advance. Nowadays, they are literally booking week to week and on the fly. Okay, it is being reported again, reported, rumored in your window that when they get to people are getting to Raw, Vince McMahon has torn the script up an hour before they start and is writing and has rewritten the entire show. Okay, so what happens this week has not, it's not fluent with what happened last week. It is not concurrent with what happened the week before that. It's not going to be concurrent with what happens the next week. They'll have one or two stories that they go actually go with, and everything else is just fly by the seat of your pants. That's not good booking for a professional wrestling show. When you're trying to draw viewers in, that is not the way to hook them. It's gotten to the point now that where they're just putting on a TV show. This is not weekly episodic TV that you must watch and must tune in to see. It's become, let's make a TV show and put it out there kind of like South Park. We might not connect the episodes. We're just putting stuff out. Instead of writing stories for these groups of people, we're having multiple stories going on and it dragging you in. There's a big difference between Raw and SmackDown. We'll get into that in a future ep or later episode. But looking at the stark differences between Raw in the late 90s, early 2000s, and Raw in the 2020 era, 2019, it is vastly different and not in a good way. They are not getting talent over now because they're not allowing talent to be them. They're handing them a script and saying, this is what you have to say. Well, I wouldn't say this. My character wouldn't say this. Well, it doesn't matter. It has to be written, says the way it's written. We don't want you improvising. We don't want you going off script. You have you have 20 minutes here. Re, you know, read this five-page script and learn it and go out and cut your promo. That doesn't get people over. You hand me a script. You know, these people aren't actors. A lot of them aren't actors. Some of them probably have acted a little bit. But, you know, they're not actors. They're not trained actors. You give them a script, and if they're not feeling if they're not passionate about it, they're not going to be able to pull it off. You know, I can understand, you know, from the promos back in the day, you would see that they would hit bullet points. You would know that, you know, Benson would go, I need you to hit this point, this point, and this point, and then fill in the rest. It's trial by fire, and it's what got people, because you got to hear them talk, say it in their words. You got to hear the enunciation, the, the passion, the fire, the vigor that was in their voice whenever they spit or, you know, said this, these lines. They seem like they meant it. Now, nowadays, it's everybody sounds alike. Everybody, because the, the same writers are writing for multiple people, whenever these people cut promos, whenever, you know, if Seth Rollins is cutting a promo on Roman Reigns or cutting a promo on uh, Rey Mysterio, which we'll go with that right now, Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio, when we're cutting those promos, they're saying, the way they're talking, they're using the same words. They're using the same inflection. They're using the same dialect. 
and you can tell that it's not natural. The majority of the way people talking are talking in uh, on Raw right now is not the way people talk. It's not. Nobody would talk like they do. Nobody would make the insults like they do. Nobody would speak like this in a normal, confrontational way. And professional wrestling used to be, you know, we all know it's scripted. We all know it's predetermined. I don't want to use the word fake. We all know what professional wrestling is. But still, when you're going out there and these guys have no passion when they're speaking to each other, I'm not going to believe these guys are going to fight. I'm not going to believe these guys want to tear each other apart even when you're bringing family into it. And they've gotten to the point now where they keep going to the same well using the same thing of how to make personal issues. We're going to bring family into it. Or I'm going to injure you this way. You know, it's the way professional wrestling has always been, I get. But it's all so canned and so watered down. Everybody's afraid to take that leap. Vince McMahon doesn't want people to get over anymore. Like, there's been multiple people that said that. John Cena was the last of the super over in professional wrestling. Okay, Somebody argued Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan got over huge, and I'm glad he did because he deserved it. That was organic, and that was a very rare feat for for this to happen because most people, uh, and I'm going to name some names, Cesaro, when he got over, uh, Rusev, when he got over, Aiden English, when he got over, people like this that are getting over, or you know, they're getting over without the WWE behind them, whether it's from YouTube channels or just because they're taking something bad and running with it and trying their best and people are gravitating to it because they're just so good and they like them so much. It's come to the point now that when, when that happens, Vince immediately cuts your cuts you off at the knees. Cesaro's the main example. Cesaro started getting over. We're going to, as a babyface, we're going to make him a Paul Heyman guy to turn him heel. He starts getting over there. They cut him away from that and they turn him into 007. He starts getting that over. They cut him off of that and put him in a tag team. He gets over there. They cut him off of that. That's This is how they, they do. Vince doesn't want you to get over on your own. He wants you. He wants to get over who he wants to get over. This imaginary brass ring that he keeps scre- screaming is there. It's not there. It's, it's imaginary. It, it's not a thing that happens. And it's gotten to the point when I go back to what John, I was saying about John Cena. John Cena was the last of these super over guys because nowadays... Vince doesn't want anybody to have that level of over. Because when you get that level of over, you can say, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to Saudi to wrestle. I'm not going to wrestle this match. I'm not going to do this. It doesn't fit my character. He doesn't want anybody to be able to tell him no anymore. He doesn't want that power. He also doesn't want that power of somebody getting over like that. And when a contract comes up, them not being happy because of the way things are running and saying, hey, um, you know, AEW or, or Impact or Ring of Honor or New Japan's offer me this money and I'm going to go there and bring my fans with me. He doesn't want that. Vince is terrified of people getting super over now. And because of that, wrestling is never going to get the audience it once did because they're not allowed to be themselves. They're not allowed to get themselves over. Getting over has become an ugly term in professional wrestling on Raw in the WWE. Vince McMahon has micromanaged everything so much, and he's so worried about his bottom line and upsetting his uh, board of directors and upsetting his financial people that bought into the company when he went public that it's it's watered down the product and it's hurt the product. The worst thing that happened to WWE was for them to go public. And I'm not talking about you know, financially, financially, it made all the sense in the world, and they have made more money than they probably ever would have made. Like, it is insane. But the problem is, when you go public like that, and you're a family-owned business, now you have other people you have to 
you have to report to. You have to, you know, they put their money in. They're going to want their money back. You don't want people dumping stock. And it has watered down the product. It has hurt the product to the point to where, you know, they're at the lowest viewership they've ever had, 1.4 million. 1.4 million used to be an embarrassment. TNA was doing 1.8 to 2 million viewers on Spike TV, and people were calling them a failure because WWE was still doing 5 million, 4 million. They were considered a failure at 2 million people. Now, Vince and Raw is doing 1.4, and people were saying, you know, well, they, they, they're making excuses for it. It's because the product's not good. Vince has said himself, we don't have stars, we don't have this, the story. And it's not any of that, Vince. It's because it's, the, it's not good. Your writers are terrible. Your writers don't care about the product. And everybody sounds the same. Everybody's canned. Everybody's generic. You're not allowing people to be themselves. You bring people from NXT who are great wrestlers and who have great talent, and then you stick them on Raw and you change everything about them. I'm looking at you, Keith Lee. I love Keith Lee on NXT. They they built last year's entire Survivor Series was built around Keith Lee. Survivor Series to the Royal Rumble was built around Keith Lee becoming a star. They built a star in Keith Lee. They bring him up from NXT to Raw, and what happens? They change his music. They change his outfit. They change the, his appearance. And while he's still doing the same in the ring and he's still talking the same, they've said that they have nothing for him. Like they're putting him in, in high profile pushes, but they don't really have anything for him because they don't know they don't know his character. They don't know who he is. They don't know how to write for somebody like him. What about retribution? I'm bringing up retribution. They started off back in the day. Factions formed naturally. You know, like-minded people got together, and it, that's how you form factions. That's how DX formed. That's how the nation formed. That's how, you know, even the DOA and the Los Bariquas and the Heart Foundation, it was family, it was friends, it was people that had like-minded, they came together naturally. The Four Horsemen, the NWO, all of this had a reason for being together. A few months ago, they put out a tweet saying, we're going to have a new faction on Raw. Why the fuck would you do that? Why? Because you just took every surprise from us. You keep taking surprises by putting it on uh, Twitter or on Facebook. You're wanting people to tune in, and you think this is how it's going to get people to tune in by showing them that this is going to happen. The point of professional wrestling is the surprise factor. That's what draws you in. When you can legitimately get a surprise pop, it is an amazing feeling. A return, a debut of somebody you didn't see coming. So when they put this faction out, you know... I'm like, okay, what are they going to do with it? Then you see a bunch of people setting fire to a generator. And you see these people in black hoods that look like Antifa, which we're not getting into government politics, don't worry. But they're dressed like that. They're in all black and ski masks, and they're burning stuff, and they're attacking people, and they're breaking stuff, and they're talking about how they want to take over the WWE, and they want to bring it down from the inside. Okay. At first, it was an okay idea, but you were changing any people in and out. A lot of times, it didn't work, um, them throwing a cinder block through a glass window and cheering like a bunch of kids that won a Little League game. Then, when you finally get to the, the their name, you give them the name, their Retribution, and then you give them a logo, and then you, you debut them, and you say that they got contracts, and I will give credit to the guy, people involved right now. The core members of Retribution are Dominic Dijakovic, um, Dio Madden, Shane Thorne, Mercedes Martinez, and Mia Yim. They are all incredible talents on their own. Dio is probably the, I don't want to say the least talented, because he's, he's been in the business less. 
but they, the, the, for the core group, they are good. So then they come up with a story that they got signed contracts. If a com- if somebody is trying to actively destroy you, and they're burning your buildings and burning stuff and and breaking you know windows and causing you thousands of dollars in damage and legal fees from security and stuff getting attacked, why would you sign them to a deal? Then they, God bless Dominic Dijakovic because he is trying his best to get all this over. Okay, they show up when they sign their contracts. They're wearing goofy masks. They look like you know, humongoloid. They look like Doomsday from um, Memphis Wrestling back from the USWA Wrestling. They look like Lord Humongous. They look like Bane. They're there and they come up with these stupid ass names: T Bar and Slapjack and uh, what was the other one? It was T Bar. It's Slapjack. It's numb nuts. I don't know. And then there's, they're going to be re- revolution or revolt or, it's stupid. They're giving them dumb ass names, instead of calling them Dominic Dijakovic, Dio Madden, Shane Thorne, instead of having them unmask and say, look, this is the reason we're here. We were overlooked, you know. We we've been overlooked for years. We've been overlooked. They have a built-in story with Dio Madden. Dio Madden's last appearance on Raw as a commentator, he was attacked and F5 through a table by Brock Lesnar standing up for his commentary team. All you have to do is have him on a mic and have him say, the last time I was here, I was put through a table by Brock Lesnar. And the WWE threw me away. They said, we don't want you on commentary anymore. Sent me back to NXT, didn't even put me on TV. Wouldn't let me perform because they said I was weak. That's that's a built-in story. Mia Yim and Dominic Dijakovic. Dominic Dijakovic has a built-in story with Keith Lee. They're friends. Mia Yim's dating Keith Lee. Okay? And so it makes no sense if they're going to try to take Raw down. But Dominic Dijakovic can say, Keith Lee's always been the guy that everybody looked at. He was big. I'm this, We're the same size. And he's, you know, he was always pushed more than me. He always, they said he had more charisma than me. I'm here to prove my 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 worth. You have built-in stories with all this. Mercedes Martinez, built-in storyline with Mercedes Martinez. She has grinded for years to be in, you know, as a pro wrestler. She's one of the best female wrestlers on the planet right now and has been for years. She's finally getting her shot. Give her a microphone. Let her say, for years I toiled on the undercards, on indies, trying to make it here. And when I get here, you put me in NXT. You put me in what you consider your third brand. Don't say weak brand, but you put me there instead of bringing me where I deserve to be on Raw. I'm pissed off, and I'm going to tear your uh, company down because of it. You have a built-in story with every one of these people, and you're giving them stupid-ass names. You're giving them stupid-ass face masks and trying to portray them to be something they're not. When it is reported by multiple sources that backstage when they debuted last week, that people were laughing at them backstage, that's not good. This is going to fail. It's already failing. God bless them. They're all trying. On social media, they're trying and pushing to get this over. And I hope it does because every one of them deserves at least the chance to get over, but they're not going to let them get over. I know I just ranted about it, but this is what I'm talking about. You have shitty writing by writers who don't know shit about professional wrestling. I've never been in the business either, but I'm a huge fan of it, and I've been watching wrestling as far back as I can remember, and I've watched multiple kinds of wrestling. Growing up on Memphis, 
local wrestling, growing up on WWE, WCW, NWA, going back and watching AWA, the WCCW, watching Stampede, all these old school wrestling as far as the new wrestling, Ring of Honor, MLW, AEW. I'm a big fan, okay? I know what I like, and I know what I like the majority of people are going to like. It's not that difficult to put a story together when you have a built-in story already going. So when you talk about the ratings of Raw being down from what it was, it's because of shitty writing. Back in the day, everybody had a purpose on the show. Everybody on the show had a purpose. And everybody interwove with other people to create the stories that would come later. We don't have that anymore. Everybody's afraid. Well, this babyface is getting beat down by this by these heels. So what are we going to do? We're not going to have another babyface save them to try to further a story down the road. No, 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 no. We can't intersect stories. Why not? You're burying talent. You're not allowing talent to be themselves, and you wonder why no one is getting over, and you wonder why your ratings are going in the toilet. Back in the day, there was signs everywhere. When you went to a wrestling show, there were signs for everybody. Nowadays, there's three or four, if that. It's the majority kids going. I get that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you've alienated a lot of wrestling fans. You've alienated the majority of wrestling fans by catering to the minority of wrestling fans. And that that's a big issue if you're trying to get ratings and advertisement. It's it. I, I don't know what they can do to bring the ship up. They need to fire every one of their writers. They need to bring in, if you're going to have writers... You need to go back to what you did. Have a committee of writers who were in the business, have been in the business, or know the business at least, or are fans of the business at least. When you have people like Freddie Prince Jr. writing your show, yes, that Freddie Prince Jr. He's not anymore, but at one point he was writing for them. That Freddie Prince Jr. I'm talking about the, you know, I know what you did last summer, Freddie Prince Jr. I'm talking about... Was it Fever Pitch, Summer Pitch, Freddie Prince Jr., Teen Heartthrob, Scooby-Doo, that Freddie Prince Jr. was was a writer for them. That shows you how far it has fallen and how crappy the booking has become. The ratings are in the toilet. They're going to continue to fall. And, you know, the contract for USA is coming up soon. And is USA going to want to keep putting money into the show that has continually dropping ratings. When the ratings are continually falling, are they want to keep putting money into it? Are they going to try saying, hey, we want wrestling. Let's try another one. Impact might need a shut place. MLW might want a bigger thing. Ring of Honor might want a bigger show. Maybe they go after AEW. I don't know. But I know for a fact that the ratings are dropping because of Vince McMahon and the way things are being run because he is so scared of people getting over and the writers are not allowing people to get over it. They're not allowing people to be themselves. I love professional wrestling, but I'll tell you right now, it is getting almost unbearable for me to watch Raw. It is getting to the point to where Raw is almost unbearable. There are people I love on Raw that wrestle on Raw. There are people I enjoy on Raw. And it's getting to where I can't even enjoy them because it's such bad writing. I cringe. I get pissed off. They have stuff going on. You have no clue what's what's happening. Raw Underground, I don't know what this is. It's an underground fight club that is going on on Raw right now. In the last hour, there's no rhyme and no reason for it. 
maybe down the road. Now, you know, we've, we've always said that, you know, when you book, you want to book long-term. Long-term booking can work, but you've got to give me a reason to get invested in it. You can't just give me a story that spreads out and, you know, not give me reason to get invested and have this 50-50 booking the whole way and expect me to be invested. On the same front, you can hot shot bookings and have, you know, a feud, a big feud last, you know, two or three weeks and expect me to be in with it. It's it's a hard thing to pull off on that aspect, but you have to keep people involved for storylines. You know, that, that that's all I can say about the, the state of what Raw has become because watching it back in the day, watching the way people were allowed to be, and I'm not talking about the over-the-top sexual nature. I'm not talking about the gestures, the cussing. I'm not even talking about anything like that. They were themselves. You could see their characters. You could see Dwayne Johnson being The Rock. You could see Steve Williams being Steve Austin. You could see Paul Levesque being Triple H. You can see Mark Calloway being The Undertaker. You could see these people. They took these characters and made it and made you believe them. I don't feel that with these characters now because every one of them sound the same. I hope things change. I hope they get a new direction. Honestly, at this point, Vince needs to take time off. Retire. You're, you're in your late 70s. You have grandkids. You're a billionaire. Take time off and be yourself. Have fun. If not... Take a year off. See what it goes. Come back and be the savior. Until then, Raw is going to completely keep going in the crapper and being what it is, and that is subpar, overproduced garbage. And I hate to say that because, again, I love professional wrestling. But Raw has become hot garbage. Raw has become WCW in 2000 and 2001. It is on that leg. Booking week to week, not knowing how to use your characters, everybody sounding garbage, nobody knowing what's going on. This is where the road we're heading down. I hate to say that, but this is the road Raw is heading down, and it's a dangerous path because we saw how it went once. And I hope we don't lose WWE. I don't think WWE is ever going anywhere, but you might lose your TV deal with USA if they don't pick something up. That's all I can say, guys. So thank you for listening to me rant and rave and bitch and moan about Raw. I just love wrestling and hate to see what it's become, guys. However, you know what I don't hate to see? You to hit that like button, hit that share button. Follow me on Twitter at NerdPoolPod. Follow me on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast. Follow me on Twitch at NerdPoolGaming. You can go to my Facebook page. That's NerdPoolPodcast. Hit that like button. Leave me a comment. Leave me a review. Leave me a rating. Let me know what you want me to talk about. Let me know what you want to hear. And just leave me, you know, leave me a nice little thing. Tell me how much you love the sound of my voice. How, how you know, tickles the inner part of your ear that makes you smile a little bit. Thank you all for your love and support. That's NerdPool. So... Until next time, see ya.